This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it's time for What in the World with Paul Seaburn and his sidekick, John Donalo. Now, for those of you who are watching today, I want you to know that Zoom has not been my friend for the last week. Um, and that is why today's show may look a little different. Um, and we're hoping that we will get all the way through. So, Paul, what in the world? And we are locked up. Oh, now you're back again. Oh, now we're back again. Okay, Paul. What's going on? I don't know. We, we're just, we just, John and I are sitting here watching and all of a sudden uh, you got frozen. Are we going to yeah. try for a little while here? Keep going. Okay. Yeah, all right, sure. well, this is, this is uh, what in the world. And uh, you're probably saying what in the world is going on with what in the world. We are having, uh, we have been having major technical difficulties with our uh, software. So we're going to attempt to make it through a show here without any glitches. Uh, and I will apologize ahead of time if we do have some. Um, bear with us, but uh, we're just going to blast through here and uh, and see how much of a show we can pull together for you. So that sounds good. Karen is here. Karen at NewClevelandRadio.net. You know, you know how to find her. You know how to find all of our podcasts. We've also got John Danalo, my old buddy with What in the World of Sports. Hi, John. Hey, so, Paul. Hey, Karen. Uh, we'll get hey, the show Karen. going here and uh, have some fun. You okay. better believe it. Yeah, we're going to leave the, the photos up today. So uh, to, just to just because it looks like that might be causing some problems. So let's get right to it. We got a bunch of stories here. I want to get to the first one. Oh, I, I'll give you a hint. Uh, we got some Bigfoot stories, John, with photos. We've got some UFO oh, stories. That, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I know you're excited about that. I got a great UFO story with some photos. I've got uh, uh, what else here? We've got some oh oh some some good food stories. So get ready for that if you're hungry. Uh, John's got a great sport for us. So let's get right to it with our first story. See how we do here. So this one comes from Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, this is uh, oh. So, so, you know, I like to do this. I like to give people a thumbs up. Uh, it turns out that some people are using it and in, in their business and they believe that it's legally binding. It's a way to, if I say, if John says he wants to sell me something and I give him the thumbs up, I have just been legally bound to buy whatever it is he's selling. And you know, we don't buy anything John's selling. So, <laughs> hey, hey, that hurts. That hurts. Oh, <laughs> but this is this is United. For a flax contract, which is wheat, um, and they responded back with a text message and a thumbs up. So they thought they had a deal. Turns out the company said they didn't. A judge agreed that thumbs up means yes and awarded $82,000 plus the flax, I guess. So, uh, so <laughs> wow. yeah, that means thumbs up is legally binding. I can't believe it. So I, my first question is, if thumbs up is legally binding, what about giving somebody the middle finger? Is that Ooh. also legally binding? Well, yeah. I don't know. That's, not, that's some the. That's some touchy ground there, Paul, obviously. <laughs> we were speaking fingers here, so to speak. Good good pun there, John. Um, so, you know, here's, here's my thinking. We're going to know it's a problem when uh, you're watching TV late at night 
and one of those ambulance chasing lawyers comes on and says, have you been injured by a thumbs up? We'll make them pay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, good one, Paul. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. So um, the, this, is, this is for you, John. The Latin phrase, police verso, um, is, was, was used in ancient Rome when the thumbs up event uh, historians believe first started when the, the Romans were watching the gladiators fight in the arena. And if, uh, when some, when the uh, match was over, if they wanted to spare the loser, they would look to the emperor and the emperor would either give the thumbs up or the thumbs down. That was called police verso. Um, the, you know, I didn't know, I didn't realize that that was the origin, but get a load of this. Some anthropologists in New, in, um, um, Spain, Barbary apes in Spain have noticed that the apes there also give each other the thumbs up. So we weren't the first, believe it or not, monkeys give each other's thumbs up. Um, they're not sure why, you know, it's, um, uh, who knows, <laughs> you know, do they, really bananas, a, you know? do they really have a thumb? Uh, yes. Apes have opposable thumbs. Oh, just okay. We share 90, I was just reading this, we share 97.5% DNA with chimpanzees and great apes. That includes, yeah. oh, very good. Karen just displayed her 97.5% ape part right there. Uh, you know, I, I thought I'd test this out. I went to the zoo the other day and the gorillas were giving me the thumbs down, not the thumbs up, which... I found out later, I asked a zookeeper and they said, well, it was because you have a guardian shirt on. So, oh, oh there we go, a little uh -oh. local. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, we'll move right on here. Okay, <laughs> let's, we're gonna try changing our video here. Let's see what happens. Uh, so this story, I had this story on Facebook this week. Um, let's, let's bring up the photo, there you go, okay. So what we're looking at right now, for those of you who can't see but are just listening, is a pink grasshopper. Can you see that, John and Karen? Yes. Can, yeah, clear as day. Can you, it? Can, can you believe it? No, I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> okay, this is this is from Wales of all places. A photographer in Wales um, was was out in the woods and saw this and managed to get a photo of this pink uh, grasshopper. It's a meadow grasshopper, which are normally brown or green. Uh, but this one had some kind of deformity and it's, it's pink. Um, the, uh, you know, so it, 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 it's, it, it messed up their gender reveal parties. Uh, pretty <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> I'm sure it did. Yeah, yeah I bet it did. Uh, right. Right. I know. Yeah. 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 Well, where's the blue one? I know. So pink grasshoppers apparently don't survive very well in the wild because, um, birds see them and they think, the first thing they think with a pink grasshopper is, oh, that's the rare one that I asked for instead of well done. So, uh -huh. yeah, the ones that like rare, rare grasshoppers, there you go. There so they come right up, yeah. Um, this is this is known as a urethrism, urethrism, scientific term there, uh, which which is uh, causes too much red pigment and not enough black. So. Turns out, John, this grasshopper has the same problem with ink for his printer as you do. I get <laughs> <laughs> and that's a problem. Pink all the time, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's a problem. Oh, my gosh. Right, that's right. All right. So you know how much we love uh, food stories on What in the World. So this is this is my hot food story of the week. This comes from Thailand. You are not going to believe this. The hot new menu item at Burger King in Thailand. And, and apparently, uh, countries are allowed to have uh, different versions of these uh, companies in their in their country. So we've done a lot of... Um, um, uh, stories from Japan. KFC has a weird uh, yeah, right. Japanese version. Well, this is Burger King in Thailand. This is their hot new menu item. Let's take a look at it there. Okay, so John, you can see that it's called the Real R E A L Cheeseburger. Ooh. Again, the reason why Karen is saying ooh for those of you who can't see it, oh. it's a meatless burger. Well, there's a there's a bun, a top and a bottom. In between are 20 slices of American cheese. Oh. Milk. Yeah, that's all that's on the burger. 20 slices of American cheese. But it's not it's, even on a burger. No, that's right. That's right. It's it's it, it's they call it a burger, but it's not a burger. Um, wow. It's only three dollars. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's free for for any female customer who legally changes her name from Patty to Brie while uh, she's there. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. There was, All right. I don't know. Let's see if my horn's working here. Hey, All we right. heard it. There All we right. go. Okay. <laughs> so 20 slices. I know John does the grocery shopping in his house because I run into him at the store all the time. <laughs> John, 20 slices, that's how many you get in a package of Kraft American cheese. Individually. That's right. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if I can handle one of those, to be honest no. with you. This has got to be, they said that the young people in, in Thailand are into this. Well, of course they're into it. They don't have cholesterol problems. They don't have constipation problems. They can eat 20 slices of cheese. Right, right. Not me. I can't do that. You know, no, not me either. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been that hungry that that I went to the refrigerator and I saw an entire pack of American cheese and thought, that's what I'm going to have. Oh, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I've eaten, I've eaten a jar of pickles, but that's a different story. And I wasn't even pregnant. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. So anyway, there you go. That was a popular item. But if you're listening, um, I, I, I often do a lot of these stories. I'll, I'll post a little teaser on Facebook. And this was a teaser on Facebook that turned out to be very popular. So I know, I know it's a good story. All right, this is from um, the Netherlands. So bird watchers in the Netherlands, speaking of bird watchers, I'm gonna watch the clock here. Bird watchers in the Netherlands found out that magpies were stealing spikes that they had put on their roof to chase birds, uh, that other people had put on their roof to chase birds away. And they actually made nests out of them. I think I've got a picture of it. So here's a, here's a picture of a nest made by magpies. Magpies are like crows and mm -hmm. they made it they pulled these spikes out of the roof and with the wires, flew it to a tree and made a huge nest out of it. You know, just to, it's like they're giving the middle finger to these, these. Uh, <laughs> That's wow. a way of it. And, and birds only have three fingers or on, the, on their claws. So, uh, right. mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. So, John, watch out for this because the word is they heard about this. I looked out the window the other day, and and the squirrels in my neighborhood are stealing all the baffles from uh, from the bird feeders, and they were starting to put it around my house. So I think they're trying to keep me out. Uh, they're sending you a message, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, you and you you and Donna a message there. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is like a cross between an Alfred Hitchcock movie and the Home Improvement Channel. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's unbelievable what these birds are doing. Okay, here's our first UFO story of the day. So this one comes from uh, Mexico, from the Coahuila state. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but I sounded good doing it. Um, so this guy took a selfie, and later on, he looked at the selfie, and let's see if we can, uh, there he is. Okay, so there he is taking a selfie. He looks over his shoulder above his head, and fortunately, there's a, one of those nice red circles for us to see. And he saw he got photobombed by a UFO down over there above the sand dune, something that he swears is a UFO. Now, this is one of those good news, bad news things. Let me see if I think I have another photo here. So there's a there's a a, a much blurrier photo for John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so if he got photobombed, the good news is that aliens have a sense of humor. You know, they're they're photobombing this guy. The bad news is uh, they've also acquired the blurring technology that that Bigfoot has because John, can you see? Does that look like a flying saucer to you? Well, I can tell you this, Paul and Karen and audience. I mean, I, I it's in the air. Okay, it's an object in the air, clearly. But uh, it's very blurry, and it's hard to to determine what it is. I'm sorry, it's just hard to determine what it is. I know at, at this magnification, I'm not even sure that that's a sand dune or whatever it is underneath it. It doesn't look like a bug though, or a bird. If uh, no, it, no, it it does look like it looks like somewhat of an object that would be. I guess you could call it a UFO, but uh, it's not clear enough. Again, I'm sorry. Could be a drone. Yeah, it could be a drone. Could be a drone, uh, yes. Good thought there, Paul. Good thought. Yeah, yeah. Now, if if the aliens are looking at this, the you know, they're gonna think a couple of things. Number number one, they're gonna think that this guy has an awfully big nose. Um, because he he was you were looking right up his nose with the selfie. But the other thing is they're gonna say, gee, if these people can't can't take decent photographs with this high technology phone, they're not worth us spending time um oh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. but they're going to fly off into the sunset, then we'll never see them again. Oh, maybe that's a good idea. I don't know. Um, okay, so those of you who are regular uh, listeners to the show and, and who have read my columns at uh, Mysterious Universe know I have a favorite saying, and I'm going to use it on this next story. So this comes from renowned theoretical physicist. I'm going to put his photo up here because he's, he's fairly well known. Uh, Dr. Michio Kaku. And I think I've mentioned him before. He's a very uh, prolific author. He's on all the UFO channels. He was on NBC News and he was discussing the latest videos of the US Navy UFOs uh, encounters. And he says, he says, it's unbelievable. These flying saucers could travel 20 times the speed of sound. They can drop 80,000 feet within seconds and they can fly underwater. So, but there's no evidence. Do I say that, John? There's no evidence. John says it all the time. There's no evidence. So he says, and, and, and those of you who have read my columns know it, he, I'm going to tell you what he says. He says, the next time you are kidnapped by a flying saucer, for God's sake, steal something. Steal a pen, <laughs> a pencil, a chip, an alien technology. Steal anything because, and get a load of this, there's no law against stealing from an extraterrestrial civilization. I think <laughs> he's right about that. 
my my hat is off to you. I, I finally someone agrees with me on that. Um, you know, it, it it's not against the law. There you go. We Mike. get the next saying it's not against the law. And if it is, and if the aliens get upset, well, while you're pulling the knobs off of the drawer in their flying saucer, all you got to do is tell them talk to my lawyer. It's not uh -huh. against the law. <laughs> yeah, you're protected. Yeah. There you go. That's right. That dive. The doctor said so. Okay. So, <clears throat> group of interplanetary scientists working for NASA, um, we're we're looking at the, the the far side of the moon, the dark side of the moon. I don't have a photo for this, by the way. Um, but but they were looking and they found um, a giant hot spot. And they analyzed the hotspot. And what it is, is a giant slab of granite buried slightly under the surface of the moon, but stretches for miles and miles and miles. Um, so, so they have one of two theories. One is, is that um, it, it's emanating heat because it was once part of a volcano. And um, um, the volcano, not that the volcano is still active, but the radiation that created the granite, which is only found on Earth, by the way, and now on the moon, the granite is, is still radiating. Or the other thing they think is that China, which is exploring the dark side of the moon, is planning to put a shopping mall up on the dark side. And this uh -oh. is the parking lot. Well, maybe which they have their home improvement show that's what the granite is for, for the new kitchen. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Why didn't I think of that? See, I don't watch all these home improvement shows. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Oh, oh, that's even better. Just think of the money they could make. For yeah. These... Wow, I didn't even think. Wow, this is, this is, I, I need to stop and make notes here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so this is now, uh, again, for our regular listeners, and, uh, you know, I talk about the fact that John and I went to, went to college together. Uh, we, we, John, you were a history major, if I remember correctly. Is that right? That is correct, Paul. That is correct. That's right. And John is also a Civil War buff. So the, is, is that right? That is correct also. That's correct. Okay, so this is, this is a double whammy for you, John. This story comes from Kentucky. Okay. And I have a photo. I'll, be, I'll put it up in a second. Kentucky farmer was digging in his cornfield this year, or just, just a few weeks ago when he found this. And boy, I, I know you would love to find this. He found 700 oh, wow. coins from the Civil War. Wow. 700. And you can see there's a variety of sizes, um, uh, different amounts of currency. Mm -hmm. He has... Uh, there's a dollar gold coins, $20 gold coins, $10 gold coins, the finest 1863 double eagles that have ever been found according to the newsmatic, newsmatic, whatever they call the coin guys who are looking at it. Wow, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So so this farmer in Kentucky, he's digging in his, in his uh, you know, plowing the field. He finds all this. What do you think he does with it? He loaded up his truck and he moved to Beverly. Oh, oh, yeah. How's he doing there? How's he doing, by the way? That's for our listeners of a certain age. That is, John, I'll, I'll give you an easy trivia question here. What show is that from? 
Oh, of course, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. The Beverly course. Hillbillies, that's right. Now, I'll give you a tougher one. The Beverly Hillbillies were not from Kentucky. What state did they find oil in and move to Beverly Hills? I am clear on this, Paul, 100%. Uh, the great state of Tennessee. Wrong. It was the great state of Missouri. Missouri? Missouri. They were in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri. And really? there's, an, there's an obscure uh, line in, in like the third or fourth verse of the of the Beverly Hillbillies song where it refers to the Ozark Mountains. Uh, oh wow! I yeah, that that. I did not. In fact, for those of you who don't know who the Beverly Hillbillies are, I right? <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Karen, Karen, we'll give you an easy trivia question for okay. Karen. Can you name all the people in that photograph? Well, um, so going from my left to your right, whatever. In the back, we have Buddy Epson who played Jed, and then um, Jane who played. The banker secretary. Then we have okay, the banker. Way, right? In front of him, we have Ellie May, and then we have Jethro, and then we have Granny. Granny, very good, very good. Mr. Drysdale was the banker. That's right. Yep. Uh, yeah, they were from uh, Silver Dollar City in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri. Interesting. Uh, yeah, wow. that show was on. And now this is the black and you know, there's there's it, it went one of those. It's one of those shows that started in black and white. And moved to color. At the, at the end, they were color. All of us kids who watched it as, as boys were thrilled to see Ellie May's blonde hair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's interesting that you are talking about them because the other day, as Rich is flipping through um, the channels, I saw it and I said, "I can't believe we used to like that show." Oh. And his comment to me is, "I still like it." <laughs> yeah well, you've got a good sense of humor karen That's yeah right. right there you go john that's right and and we were not the only ones who liked it that show was on from 1962 until 1971 for the first four years it was in the top 20 every year wow eight, eight of its nine seasons it was in the top 20. first two seasons it was number one both years number one um the uh, uh and one particular episode no, a number of the episodes were uh in the top 100 most watched television episodes in history the the one that everybody remembers is called the giant jackrabbit and i had to look it up i i thought uh, you know i should know this john I, i'll ask you do you remember the giant jackrabbit no you know i really don't paul uh, i don't it had to do with granny Okay, and Granny looked out the window and and saw a kangaroo, and since she had never seen a kangaroo in the Ozark Mountains, she thought it was the giant jackrabbit, and the the hilarity ensued from there, as we say in the comedy business, uh, <laughs> because nobody believed her. Nobody believed that there was a giant jack, jackrabbit running around Beverly Hills. The ballad of Jed Clampett um, was uh, performed by the bluegrass uh, uh, artist, the Foggy Mountain Boys led by Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs, Left Flat and Scruggs, very famous uh, bluegrass um, uh, combo, uh, number, number of hits besides that one. Max Bear, the, who played Jethro, is the only member of the cast who is still alive. He's he, 85 years old. Uh, John will know this. His name is actually Max Bear Jr. Max Bear Sr. was an athlete. 
Yeah, he was a boxer. He actually fought Max Schmeling. And, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. The heavyweight boxer. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I, I don't know if he ever was the the champ, but he when he was fighting Schmeling, he, I mean, he was the champ at the time. Schmeling was. Yes. So I don't, I don't know what the outcome of that bout was, but uh, yeah. I believe I believe I, I don't believe he was the champ no but but that I think he was he was fighting for the championship in that particular. right right that's my my recollection too right yeah yeah now Jethro Jethro was my favorite character uh, Jethro used to boast about his education that that he made he had a sixth grade education which made him <laughs> the smart, yeah <laughs> the smartest person in Silver Dollar uh, Missouri uh, he also he used to talk about his abilities in ciphering which was uh, mathematics. He could. He knew that one and one is two, two and two is four, and also in uh, Gazintas, which was uh, <laughs> four Gazinta eight. I don't think I need to explain any further than that. But one more thing. Getting back to history, John. This, people need to be looking for these coins because it Kentucky, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Kentucky was part of the Confederacy, but there were many people who were upset about that and they really wanted to stay neutral during the um the civil war so many of the um kentuckians who were afraid that con the confederacy was going to win buried their their uh their treasures their coins their you know their savings hoping that when the confederates came through they wouldn't find them and then later on they could they could dig them up which this this uh Whoever buried those 700 coins apparently didn't do that. So <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So let's move on from uh, some uh, uh, trivia to uh, how are we doing on time there? Okay. I, We're I doing okay. Good. Okay. Here's a big. Uh, here's our Bigfoot story of the week. John. Okay. Here's another one that John has talked about uh, many times on the show, and that is if if you find Bigfoot evidence, people say they find you know, bones or, or skulls or something like that. Why not test them for DNA? If I had a nickel, if I had a Civil War dollar for every time John said that, <laughs> I'd be a rich man. Well, sure. guess what, John? Somebody's going to do it. And it's somebody from Ohio, as a matter of fact. His name is Matthew Moneymaker, and he's the head of the uh, Bigfoot Field Research Organization. I've mentioned him on the show before. He's, a, he's originally from Ohio, very, very dedicated Bigfoot researcher. Uh, also, he's on this, this show, Finding Bigfoot. So he said that a respected state university in the eastern United States will be the first to conduct a long-term systematic study of Bigfoot and Sasquatch evidence in all of its forms, especially DNA from hairs, and he is providing the hairs. Here are two hairs, which he thought highly magnified, uh, you know, and not blurry. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> highly magnified Bigfoot hairs that he is sending to this university, which he did not name, and he said they are going to test it and determine if it's Bigfoot DNA or uh, something else. It looked so, like a paints uh swatches to me what 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 is that what was the question i said they look like paints you know oh they samples. do yeah, you're right they, you know it, it you bring that up karen it's kind of <laughs> the, the color of hairs is kind of orange isn't it yeah brown like like we would expect bigfoot it's more orangey 
Um, so, you know, who knows? Maybe he found a whole different species of big. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Tell you what prompted this is that big Bigfoot is getting endorsement deals. You know, be, as Bigfoot becomes more popular, we're studying to see him in insurance uh, commercials and in real estate commercials. So here's what's happening. I think Bigfoot's children and grandchildren are starting to think, hey, you know, we could inherit this money, but Bigfoot won't um, admit that we're his kids or his grandkids. So they're the ones, they're paid, they're pushing for this DNA test so that they can prove they're his heirs and get a piece of the action. Okay. Heirs or heirs. I think it's smart for them to do that, right? Yeah. You believe that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Moneymaker, what, what a great name for, for, for a uh, Bigfoot researcher, Moneymaker. Most important and laudable aspect of this effort, it's not a short-term project. It's going to go on for a long time. You know why it's going to go on for a long time? Because he's got a TV show and he needs to have something. <laughs> this year, next year, I'm telling you. I, Matthew, if you're listening, it's a joke. Uh, okay, now we move on to our other favorite monster, and that is the Loch Ness Monster. And again, I've got, oh, wait till you see the photos on this one. So A.N.O. Fodigan, or Fadigan, whatever his name is, the Irish, the guy who in Ireland who sits in his easy chair and watches videos of Bigfoot was added again. He found what he says is the best Bigfoot video he has ever seen personally, and he thinks that's ever been taken. So I've got a photo, I've got a couple of photos of it here. So of course we've got our handy uh, red circle in case you can't find it. Above that, what, what he's with uh, the circle is a boat, that thing above there, uh, going across a section of Loch Ness. And below it is what looks like the wake behind something that uh, if you look really close, I have a magnified picture, I think, it looks like there's something sticking out of the water and it's swimming in parallel uh, with the boat. Now I watched the video and the boat is going faster than whatever this creature or, or, or wake might be. Um, but he says, he says, he looked at it, it's not a seal, it's not a fish, not an otter. Uh, it, it, it emerges, it submerges, it swims, it changes directions. Um, you know, it, it could be Michael Phelps. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate to say this, Paul, but... Yeah, uh, it's really big. It's a big creature. To me, it looks like a piece of driftwood. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh you have little faith. Let's take yeah. a look at the next one here. There you go. Okay, so the, the wake is much longer here, so he must have really... Right. Been okay. Mm -hmm. You don't even need a red circle to see that. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still not convinced, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> so he he estimates that this was a 20 foot long creature. Uh, it it it. I, I think the next picture shows it turning around. Yeah, it turned around and it's it, it's making its turn. It's starting to head back in the opposite direction. Um, it uh, he says that it was. Uh, um, you know, it, the best one thing he's ever seen. Now, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that they they changed the rules and they said they're, the, 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 the Bigfoot uh, registration people say they're not going to accept it unless they can see the face of the Bigfoot and and see the eyes. So obviously you can't see the face or the eyes in this one. Oh, so it, no kidding. Got it. Yep. I know. Now, you know, I, I looked at that rule and I thought, okay, so let's say 
I can't see the face of this Bigfoot here, or, or this uh, Loch Ness monster. What if it jumped out of the water and did a couple of backflips and went and dove back in, but I still couldn't see the face? Do you think they would count it then, or would they still stick to this face law? I would certainly hope they would count that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they would change the rules immediately. Right. There there you go. Go. Okay. All right. So we love our world records, Don. So, so that's it. That's all I have on the Loch Ness Monster here. Uh, we love our world records on what in the world. So here's now. Now, this is a retraction uh, by the Guinness World Record people. And we rarely see anything like that happen. So a few years ago, the world record for the world's longest kiss was set by a couple in Thailand. Um, and I'm not going to try to pronounce their names, but it was a, a man and a woman. Uh, their kiss lasted for, get ready for this, 58 hours and 35 minutes. Now, first thing you can say is they're obviously not married. Um, <laughs> that was good. Super glue was not involved. The the rules state that, that you, the, you um, uh, the kiss, according to the Guinness people, the kiss must be continuous. The lips must be touching at all times. Uh, the couple will be disqualified if they part. Contestants are allowed to consume liquids with a straw, but the lips must still not part. The couple <laughs> must, yeah, couple must be awake at all times. They must stand at all times, so they can't sit down and kiss. Uh, they can't prop themselves up against anything. No rest breaks, but they're allowed to wear adult diapers. Uh, oh no, adult diapers cannot be worn. If they want to go to the bathroom, they have to go together, and the judge goes in with them. And oh rides. no! Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, needless to say, <laughs> despite that, this couple did it for fifty-eight hours and thirty-five minutes. But the Guinness people said that there's been a lot of complaints, and people were passing out. They were they were getting having back problems, so they decided to no longer allow the world record uh, anybody to to compete for the world record for the world's longest kiss i thought that was uh two and a half really strange story paul <laughs> yeah two and a half days this couple was kissing that's unbelievable um the um uh oh so in 1999 this was one one couple in israel in 1999 uh, they were kissing for 30 hours and 45 minutes and they were barely conscious they were they were doing breathalyzers on them uh, they were rushed to the hospital. They set the record at the time. They were rushed to the hospital where they were treated for fatigue. Uh, in 2004, yeah. yeah, they had to re be resuscitated with oxygen. Uh, so, not a good thing to do. Not a good thing to do. Uh, <laughs> and I hate and to tell you this tomorrow, Lynn, Rich and I celebrate 39 years. There will be a very short kiss. <laughs> oh, okay, Karen. Well, congratulations to you and Rich. Very yeah, good. Thank you. That's right. And and out of respect for both of you, I'm not going to make a joke about it. The uh... <laughs> <laughs> but think about this, Karen. You know, if you were looking, if if you were thinking, you know, maybe there's some quick money involved in this. Forget it, because the prize that couple kissed for 58 hours. The prize was a hundred thousand bots. Hundred thousand bots. That Thai currency. I converted it two thousand eight hundred dollars. Twenty eight hundred dollars. 
No. Yeah, $2,800. Plus, they also got two diamond rings that were also valued at $2,800. So, so for about $5,000, they had to kiss for two and a half days. Now, uh, oh, here's one from Ohio. This is a, a, an Ohio story here. The, um, uh, <laughs> this is our last story, and, and you'll see why. The, uh, this case was, was from the New England Journal of Medicine. The, this comes from Wright-Patterson Medical Center down in Dayton, which serves military personnel. And the doctors one day had this guy come in, and they asked him what was wrong, and he showed them, oh, oh, I don't have it. Oh, rats, it, <laughs> I missed it. I, I, for some reason, I, you're going to thank me. He had a green, hairy tongue. His tongue, was, yeah, his tongue was completely covered with green hair. Um, you know, John, I don't know if you remember this. When we were kids and going to Catholic school, the nuns used to say, if you read Playboy, that's what happened to you. You'd get a Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't know if that was the disclaimer, but I, I knew there was other ones, other things that they said would happen. So, you know, leave it at that, Paul. Okay, okay. So this guy was 64 years old. He went to the clinic. He had, he had a, it's a gross picture, green hair all over his tongue. Um, so they, um, they figured out that it, it wasn't really hair, but it was keratin, which is the same which is the stuff that hair is made of. Um, and um, um, uh, it was green because he smoked. So, you know, they, they said, they said, well, you could do this, you could do that, but we're splitting hairs here. Which uh, really where's the horn? Go to the horn. <laughs> there you go. What would you, what you really need to do is to quit smoking, which is what he did. Good. Um, Good. Yeah. Now they didn't say if he was smoking menthol cigarettes or lime flavored pot, um, but, <laughs> well, you know, the, you know, Karen, the kids, the kids these days, they're, they're doing that vaping thing yeah, and all those flavored, flavored, uh, tobaccos and marijuana. Um, so he went back six months later and his tongue was no longer green, but the doctors still were. So that's, uh, yeah. uh, that's <laughs> the story of the man with the green, hairy tongue. Oh, Speaking boy. of someone who doesn't have a green, hairy tongue, uh, we've, we've actually made it through. I don't want to jinx us here, but we've made it through to the sports section of what in the world that is what in the world of sports with John Danalo. Every week I ask John to come up with a strange sport that fits the theme of what in the world, which is real news, sometimes strange, always funny. John looks for sports and, and inevitably finds a sport that fits that category. I also asked him to find something that, you know, maybe we could participate in, in our advanced age, you know, get into shape. Uh, I don't think we'll be participating in this one. Uh, but uh, John, why don't you explain our sport to us? I've got your photos all lined up. So I'm just going to sit back and listen. Yeah, sounds good, Paul. Thanks for the introduction. So um, our sport uh, this week uh, also originates from India. Our sport last week was from India. This one is from India as well, too. Oh, right. Yeah. And the name of the sport is Kabaddi. Kabaddi, okay. Kabaddi. Now, Kabaddi is an ancient game from India, and it is related to Jalakatu, our bull riding sport from last week. That's right. Now, the big difference between the two is that in Kabaddi, the bull is a person. No, the person isn't in a bull costume, although, although that might help get Kabaddi televised on ESPN. 
Oh, oh. what do you say? It's televised? No. Uh, oh, oh, okay. I was just, we were just oh, making. No, we got some great videos here. That, so I, I, I bet you it is televised, Carrot. There's right. a, there's some there's some of the Kabaddi people playing right, right there. there. Go on. Sure. So, so I think explain. I see the bull in this picture. Sure. So in Kabaddi, each team fields seven players. The right. object of the game is for a single player on the on offense, and he's referred to as the Raider, to run into the opposing team's half of the court, touch as many of the opposing players, and then return to his own half his own half of the court, all without being tackled by the defenders and having to do this within thirty seconds. Now, it sounds like a game of tag to you, but in this sport, you truly are it. Let me explain. Points are scored for each player tagged by the Raider, while the opposing team earns a point for stopping the Raider. Players are taken out of the game if they are touched or tackled, but are brought back into the match for each point scored by their team from another touch or a tackle. So it's really kind of a continuous type uh, event that, you know, that, that Karen, occurred. Karen had a question there. What Did you have a question, Karen? No, I was just like that position just made me uncomfortable. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay. And that, so, and that is the theme of what in the world of sports. <laughs> <laughs> if a position oh, makes oh. Karen uncomfortable, we've got a winner. <laughs> there, you go. there it is. So, so Kabaddi evolved in India because trying to jump on bulls in Jalakatu was too dangerous. Yeah. So, so then Kabaddi became popular as a competitive sport in the 20th century and was part of the Indian Olympic Games that took place in 1938. Wow. The All India Kabaddi Federation was founded in 1950 and it was played as a demonstration sport at the inaugural 1951 Asian Games that was held in New Delhi. Kabaddi quickly spread across the subcontinent and is, believe it or not, the national sport of Bangladesh. (laughs) Tag. Okay. Wow. So there are two forms of Kabaddi. There's Punjabi Kabaddi or circle styles, and that is played on a circular field outdoors, while the other form which is called the standard style is played on a rectangular court indoors and this is so here's a a photo of the outdoor version here's the outdoor version there sure and that's a pretty big area by the way oh yeah yeah and then so the uh uh the sport that's played on the rectangular court indoors is the form that is used in major professional leagues and also international competitions wow karen this is for you the Kabaddi World Cup is an international competition conducted by the International Kabaddi Federation, or the IKF, and played by men's and women's national teams. Held in 2004, 2007, 2016, and also in 2019, all of, the term- all of those tournaments have been won by the country of India. The 2019 Kabaddi World Cup had... 32 t- men's teams and 42 women's teams Ooh. competing. Yeah. So you have to think this is really a, a pretty wide set, uh, widespread yeah. sport in the, in the subcontinent. This is here's a photo of a women's team, Karen. So 
looks, you know, again, an odd position um, and looks pretty strenuous. Yes, it does. Not for me. <laughs> one, of the, one of the players has a knee, some, uh, a knee, knee brace on there. Yeah. I think I have another one. Uh, this is another girls uh, women's competition here. And it right. might even be poet. I'm not sure. Right. Interesting sport played without any kind of ball. You know, it's all just, you know, competing one-on-one -on -one with the, with each other. Good uh, point. I didn't, you know, I didn't even realize that this is, yeah, this is yeah. one of the few sports without right. a, a ball. Well, of any kind. Some kind, right. Well, wow. and so to sum things up, everyone, to be a good Kabaddi player, you need to be fast on your feet and quick with the tag. Now, if you have strong legs and long arms, you definitely then have the body for Kabaddi. Oh, that's a good one. I okay, I, I, I can see three bodies here that I won't be playing Kabaddi. No, sure. no Kabaddi for me. And, you know, I just have to tell you guys, you know, my son works in sports and yeah. he made right. the transition from, you know, Major League Baseball to the WNBA. Uh -huh. Please, let's not tell him about Kabaddi because I can root for the WNBA. This one, I'm not so sure. <laughs> oh, okay, Karen. All right. That, that's a yeah. good point to bring you know, up. Of course, you know, maybe we can get them to sponsor us now that we've given them such international publicity on what in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, they'll I, get that I, ESPN contract they've been looking for. Uh, well, you provided a great uh, photo here for people that can see this. The best match of Kabaddi Championship taking place. It's the 11th Asian Men's yeah. Kabaddi Championship uh, that'll be held uh, coming up, uh, or actually uh, took place on uh, June uh, June 29th of this wow. year. And, and I looked it up because I saw that as well. And uh, for your information india won again so wow they've got a stranglehold on, on that that's for sure strangle. that's right stranglehold what a great great sport john uh thanks for thanks again for that and, oh, and thanks, that was a two week sport thanks. because we had the the sport that it evolved from last last week that was so deadly that they changed it to something a little more safe now you know john and i would never compete in something like this today but you know john you may you I don't know if you remember this, but back when we were in college, we participated in a sport that was something like kabaddi. Got it was <laughs> trying to refresh it, my memory, Paul. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can read. I'm sure there was beer involved, but I remember you said there was a we were challenged by another fraternity, and they wanted to play tag or something. Um, it, it you know it was hard to describe what what exactly we were we were going to be doing. And uh, but you, you kept saying Kabaddi, Kabaddi, and, and none of us got it. So you decided that that what we needed to do to understand it was to go back to the previous version, to the roots of Kabaddi, to the previous sport. And you set me up for it. OK, so so there we have one photo from from me, from you preparing me to play this sport. And let's see if I can find that photo here. So there's John. On oh, the my God. <laughs> and, and there's me dressed like a bull. And this was... Oh, there, oh, yeah. Now I remember. Paul, I do remember now. It all comes back. <laughs> it's all coming back. John was wearing a disguise because he was... Once he saw me as a bull, he was so embarrassed. Um, <laughs> for those of you who can see this show, uh, the, this photo, this is actually from a show that apparently is pretty good. It's called She-Hulk. 
which is about a, a, a She-Hulk the lawyer. It's a, it's a woman who's, who's like the Hulk, only she's a lawyer. Uh, there's, there's the whole plot right there. I could, you okay. know, I should, I should be one of those writers on strike if I can come up with ideas like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. Capitalism, you know, I'm sticking solidarity here. The, you know, solidarity to the writers and the actors on strike. They deserve Yeah, right. It. You're Good. right. Good for them. Okay. Um, I'm not going to take this photo down. I, I'm going to force you guys to watch it because so far we've been doing pretty good. So we're going to have we're going to have to look at this. Let's look at the uh, let's look at those guys instead. Yeah, they're better that? looking. Yeah, okay. yeah, better. Yeah. All right. So we've reached the end of uh, what in the world of sports with John Danilo. Thanks again for that support. Uh, that means it's time for bluff the co-host, everybody's favorite weird news game. Uh, you know, the, the rules. Uh, are, are much simpler than the rules for Kabaddi. Uh, I have three stories <laughs> similar to the one, similar to the ones that uh, we've been talking about all afternoon. One big difference: those were real. These could be real. They could be a bluff. And it's up to John, Karen, and those of you playing at home while you're out running, while you're out exercising. Uh, you decide, real or bluff, and then I'll let you know if you if you scored or not. Uh, gambling is allowed. Uh, John and Karen, uh, put your hands on the buzzers and let's get right to story number one. I do have a theme this week. These are all stories about animals. Okay, story number one. Most people have seen a live chicken with feathers and a grocery store chicken without feathers, but a farmer in Israel is raising something you've never seen, live chickens without feathers. It's not to put chicken pluckers out of business, but it's to help the birds survive global warming by allowing them to cool off faster. The lack of feathers also helps prevent diseases, making the chicken, it makes the chickens grow faster and they require less feed. The naked chickens are not a result of genetic modification or a nuclear disaster. They're from selective breeding and the poultry expert who developed them says they taste better than they look. The only <laughs> who seem to have a problem with the naked chickens are the makers of feather pillows and down jackets. Okay, so a breeder in Israel who is raising naked chickens, which are better suited for surviving during global warming. What do you say, real or bluff? Let's start with Karen. Well, wow. Um, sort of makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, and what the heck? Let's be innovative, and I'm going to say real. Okay. Oh, Karen says uh, real naked chicken. Would you would you uh, buy one in the grocery store? Uh, they're already naked when I see them in the grocery store. They're dead. <laughs> that's true. They are. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, okay, so Karen says that's a real story. John, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Karen on this one. Um, I, I can see it as being, uh, you know, very, very plausible. I mean, Someone tries to come up with a new idea, and uh, it's for the benefit of the chicken. So uh, I'm going to say it's a real story. I mean, it's a, it's a it's true also. Okay, all right. So both Karen and John say that's a real story. There really is such a thing as a naked live chicken. Let's check with the judges, and the judges say congratulations to both of you. That is a real story. All right, uh, Karen, way to go! Yeah. I think we have to buy the poor chicken some clothes though. <laughs> I was going to suggest if you want to see them, just Google naked chickens, and there's barnyards full of these things. They're the funniest looking chickens I've ever seen. Uh, 
and they are naked. Okay, so the score is one to one. All right, so oh, yeah, tight match here. Let's get right to story number two. You might think that real birds would be a fan would be fans of the music by the birds or the eagles, but a karaoke bar in Oregon discovered that local pigeons actually prefer the music of Elton John or Billy Joel, or at least people trying to sing like them. Bar patrons noticed that every time someone sang a song by those two artists, pigeons would land on the ledge of the picture window out front and almost seem to sway to the music. When the song is over, they flew away, unless the next song was also by Elton or Billy. This has become such a big deal that the bar owner is charging people five bucks if they want to sing those songs because he needs the money to clean the pigeon poop off of the ledge. (laughs) So pigeons who who flock to a karaoke bar whenever they hear someone singing Billy Joel or Elton John, real or bluff. What do you say, John? We'll start with you first. You know, I'm going to say that's a bluff, Paul. I don't think that's true. Um, I just don't think it's true. Okay. Okay. No, no logic. No, no. I, I, I never, I never thought that pigeons have a great trained ear <laughs> to listen to music. Oh, 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 so it's the pigeons fault. Okay. All right, well, so. yeah, that's all. I'm going to put this on the pigeons. Yes. Okay. If it were magpies, you know, smart birds. Uh, might smart be- birds might be a little bit different story, but for pigeons, I'm going to say no. <laughs> okay. John says that the bluff. Karen, how about you? I didn't even think birds had ears. So, um, I'm going to say it's false. Okay. I don't think birds hear things. Okay. Uh, how, then why do they chirp? That's a subject for a different hey, show. Hey, you know, I can make noise and not hear. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, boy. We, we, we're sliding down a slippery slope here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get right Okay, so John says it's a bluff. Karen also says it's a bluff. Let's check with the judges, and the judges say, holy smoke, both of you are right again. That makes oh. uh, it a bluff. All right, very good, Karen. I like it. Very good. Very good. We're tied two to two. This is unbelievable. Boy, this new software is helping out uh, during bluff the call, <laughs> I guess. All right. I don't want to jinx us here, but uh, scores right. two to two. Let's get right to story number three. Zookeepers at the Toronto Zoo were a little worried about the food they'd been feeding their chimpanzees after loud fart noises were heard coming out of the chimp area one morning recently. After checking the food for fiber, they then checked the chimps and discovered the animals were actually making the fart noises just like humans do by putting their hands in their armpits and squeezing. The zookeepers think The chimps learned this from one of the many young boys who visit the zoo over the summer, and it has become a real problem because other visitors are complaining, while it also looks like the gorillas may have learned the trick. For now, they're trying to stop this chimp farting with signs that ask people, please don't make armpit armpit fart noises in the chimp house. Boy, that's hard to say. (laughs) Don't make armpit fart noises in the chimp house. Is that a sign at the Toronto Zoo? How about it, Karen? Real or or bluff? Um, I'm going to say it's real. I can see chimps doing that. Oh, you can. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Karen says chimps can make armpit fart noises. John, how about you? 
Yeah, I'm going to say it's true also because uh, I think that never goes away by by young kids, you know, trying to make those fart noises, putting their hand in their armpit, right? Uh, and I can just see a chimp is going to follow a lot of times, monkey see, monkey do, so to speak. So uh, Ooh, I'm going to say, let me write that down. Too. Yeah. Okay, monkey see, monkey do. That's a good one. I'll have to remember that. The uh, so so John John says that's a real story. Am I right? That's correct. Bill Karen says it's real. Okay. Right. Our pit fart noises by the monkeys at the Toronto Zoo. Let's check with the judges, and the judges say, "Sorry, bad news. That's a bluff." Uh, really? No well, evidence, uh, well no you know, evidence. maybe maybe in the Toronto Zoo, you know, keep an eye on on that. Maybe that, this will be the start of some kids going to going near there and see if the chimps can pick up on that, and that'll become a true story. And, yep. and you know what they're going to find out. That they heard it on what in the world and where? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got the idea listening to the what in the world podcast every week on newclevelandradio.net. How about that? So, so, so the final score was two to two. We had a tie. So everybody goes home happy. Everybody goes home with a participation trophy. Very uh, good. Very good. And, and I, I'm going to go home happy today. I know Karen's going to go home happy today because we made it through an entire show with no software glitches. How about I, that? I love it. And hopefully uh, next week we can figure out a way to be able to use the pictures and go back and forth. We'll, 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 we'll work on it. We'll certainly so. give it a try. All right. So I want to thank everyone out there first and foremost for bearing with us through the, the technical difficulties we've had over the past few months. We're glad we resolved them. And I hope you had a great time listening to the show today. As much fun as, as John and Karen and I have putting it on. Um, I want to thank Karen, our media mogul, and, and who worked her butt off for the past, uh, I know for the past week, trying to get the, the, the uh, technical difficulties resolved. So Karen, thanks so much for, yep. for all the work you put in, all the work you do for NewClevelandRadio.net, for our show, certainly um, way to go. Um, I also want to thank... Thanks oh, for your oh, perseverance, Karen. Thank you for your thanks. perseverance. Everybody <laughs> go to NewClevelandRadio.net because there's on, on there as well, which you can now listen to without technical glitches. So please do that. And uh, also thank my old friend John Danalo for uh, you know being our co-host, our good guy. What in the world of sports you can't beat the the weird sports John comes up with. John, again, thanks for all your help. Oh, thanks a lot, Paul. Really appreciate it. Thanks. And again, Let's... thanks to everybody out there for listening. If you're if you're listening, if you're watching, don't forget you can see all the photos if you go to visit us on YouTube. Uh, go to nuclearradio.net. We've got all the links there. Visit me on Facebook. I've got all the links there. There's no excuse for you not listening to or watching What in the World. And on that note, I think we'll be back on our regular date next week. We uh, will. Tuesdays at 3.30s for those of you who yep. like to listen and watch live. So on that note, I think we're going to make it all the way through and sign off without a glitch. So see you next week. Bye, everybody. Happy Bye -bye weekend. Now. Have a good weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.